This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Do you know there were six Pac-12 spring games this weekend? I and David are so excited to talk about each and every one of them. I'm very excited because it's in the morning on a Wednesday. I'm going to Vegas this weekend for the NFL draft. And David. And somehow this will be the best part of your weekend. Yes. Talking about these spring games right now. David brought donuts. Now, he didn't approve of my donut choices. He asked what I like. I said maple and cream filled. Now, he didn't get the chocolate covered cream. You got to get the, the Boston cream. But it still was cream filled. It was good. He said one word, cream. Cream. And he got the cream. I right. asked for the cream. Yeah, it was good. And you didn't they like, gave they gave me the cream. You don't like either of those choices for donuts. No, no, you're getting donuts. You get like the basic like four that exist. You don't go outside the scope. You don't like branch out. You just get the basic four. If you're getting a dozen and you just want to get like the mixed medley and you want to try a maple or whatever, that's fine. Mm. But no, maple's so good in the morning. And then, uh, oh, but I do like your sprinkles. I do like the sprinkles one. Who like doesn't I'm, like a white sprinkle? They're good. The pink sprinkles, like the Homer Simpson ones, those are good too. I don't, I don't, I mean, they're the same, right? Yeah, but it's just a different, it's like a different colored M&M. Like you kind of like true. certain ones. It's true, but like a, a, a glazed donut, <laughs> like that's really, there's a reason why like Krispy Kreme just does those. Yeah, they're really good. But anyway, so Dave brought, Dave actually contributed. He brought donuts to the studio. We're recording in the morning um, and we had something to celebrate. I, I know the spring games that Dave is excited about. But happy birthday to Herm Edwards. He turned 68 years young today. He is the oldest Pac-12 coach and the third over- oldest overall in FBS. Happy birthday. Many more years at the helm of Arizona State, like David <laughs> says, for Herm. Ten more years. We talk about Arizona State every show. Yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad what's happening over there in the desert. Um, and uh, you have a, uh, uh, a captain of the ship. Um, and the ship is rudderless, and the captain doesn't know up from down. 68 years old, Herm, but that's good, you know, good for him. He looks great. Uh, we could all hope to look like him when we're 68 years old. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for the show, we got a bunch of questions today. 
Pac12podcast at gmail.com is the easiest way to get a hold of us. You can email us there. You can call or text us at 424-532-067. I think we got a text today, David. No voicemails, so we're taking a little break from that. Uh, you can tweet us at Pac12podcast, the website Pac12podcast.com, over on the Reddit, Reddit slash r slash podcast of champions, to chat with your fellow POC listeners. The, our groupies, you could say, I guess. Is that what they are? You know? Yeah, they're very much so. Very much. Uh, and then on the Apple Podcasting app, if you would the follow, follow the Podcast of Champions, that helps us. You leave us a five-star rating, that helps us. And you talk trash about us in that rating, maybe it doesn't help us, but it does bring us joy. Any new ratings, David? We do have some new ratings. Oh, um, very nice. We have one from Pudding Pie 14 Five stars. Great pod. I've been anxiously awaiting the spring game recap of my beloved Beavs, and they delivered. What great words strung together into sentences. But always a great listen as they have a great perspective on the Pac-12 football with their usual friendly banter. I have high hopes for the new Reacher series and feel validated that they enjoyed it as well. That was just... Um, First of all, great name. Pudding Pie. We like it. Um, I love Pudding Pie. Here's the thing. That was... I think they were trying to be a little bit snarky, but that was just a genuinely positive review. That was very nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little thrown off. All right, here's the next one. This is from Aaron in Utah. Five stars. The wonderfulness of spring games and the POC. I'm currently watching the Utah spring game in pure amazement of this annual event. Ryan is 100% correct. These games are invaluable. Similar to the podcast of Champions. Priceless weekly information about everything Pac-12 football. I've been listening for several years now and finally built up enough information to qualify this podcast as one of the true elite podcasts in the world. I now look forward to David's callous yet witty sarcasm and Ryan's informative and revealing peek behind the curtain of the Pac-12. As for the spring game, only Utah plays an exhibition in a torrential downpour. You won't find that at any other Pac-12 school, especially those soft California schools. After witnessing this intense, down-to-the-last-play, better-than-a-rivalry Utah red-white spring game, Utah's obviously poised for another Rose Bowl run. Go Utes and go Podcast of Champions. Another great review. That was great. Two great reviews. And they're kind of previewing our, our recap of the Utah spring game because it yeah. was pouring. Yeah. I got some good stuff there. Oh, Thank yeah, you. yeah. Yeah, I knew it was raining there, too, because I watched that. Yeah. Well, thanks for the reviews. Uh, I have some other, like, newsy clips things. Do we want to do the spring games first? Or do you want to go some of the newsy stuff first? Because last week you got upset that we didn't talk about Arizona State first. Um, what are the news? Hang on. Let me let me review the doc and tell you what nothing order that's this salacious. needs to be. Real quick, Mark Emmert stepping down as the president of the NCAA as of June 2023. Sort of him and uh, Larry Scott about like you know like these 12 year runs of just terribleness. Um, hopefully, they find somebody to replace him. But essentially, college sports is changing. You had a dinosaur that was not willing to change at all and kind of made everything worse. So they're going to need someone that's a little bit more progressive in there that can uh, bring the NCAA. Try to keep it alive, basically, because everyone's just like shooting it with arrows and, and crushing it. But uh, Mark Emmert stepping down. Happy trails, Mark. No, no issues there. No, I mean I think it's a good thing because uh, the NCAA is a uh, piece of shit organization. So a change in leadership feels right. Um, but the next president of the NCAA will be the uh, guy who oversees the death of the NCAA. Yeah, it's true. He could make it better, like you could make it a more glorified death, or it could just be, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. No, go out in a blaze of glory. Mm. Yeah, one of those, like the Viking death, like you're on a boat, it's just burning, like yeah, you know, 
Is it like you burn to death and drown? Is it like double whammy? Like well, that's a, so that's the Viking funeral. Oh, the funeral. Oh, okay. Right, you're already dead, oh, and then they okay. put you out um, on the water in the uh, in the you know the the raft of sticks, and then they fire arrows at it until it immolates. Nice. Yeah, that's what's going to happen to the end. I love that you said emulates instead of emulates instead of just like catches burn. fire. Yeah, burns. Yeah. Let's just let's let's use this thesaurus word instead. Uh, Wow, Vi- we need a Viking death for Mark Ember, but he should I'm, be alive. I'm very close to giving this podcast a Viking's death. <laughs> he should be alive when he's put on the boat. Um, <laughs> so the NFL drafts this weekend. Thursday's the first round. I'm going to be in Las Vegas for it. So they're doing the draft in Vegas. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, four potential first rounders for the Pac-12. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. So he's sort of like the one that. I think Bruce Feldman wrote something about him. There's, like, there's a lot of mixed reviews about him. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on Thibodeau? He'll probably it, be the it first. It sounds like the reviews about him out of college are similar to like the kind of rumblings you heard out of him about him out of high school that he kind of takes plays off and isn't isn't 100 percent motor all the time. Yeah, like that sort of stuff, which was the knock on him coming out of high school. So it seems relatively consistent at the very least. I know there's some Oregon fans who are. Um, like our man Kevin Wade um, is is hitting it on Twitter quite a bit, but uh, that it's just like this constant running litany where NFL prognosticators just doubt the Oregon uh, guys who come into the league. Right. Um, I think if you're just judging physical ability, um, I think there's no question he's a top of the first round type guy, like you know top ten picks or whatever. Um, but I think there's that question about his whatever motor um, that has kind of stuck with him now for three years. Yeah. Uh, Devin Lloyd, the uh, Utah linebacker, who I gave a Heisman vote to, um, just his production alone came in as a three-star. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's a potential first-rounder. I think he just looks like a guy that's going to get a whole bunch of tackles in the NFL. Like, what do you want? Like, I'm going to draft a linebacker. He's going to make a shitload of tackles. Like, okay. He, yeah, and we've talked about that before, that linebacker, especially inside linebacker, it's one of those positions where you really do have to value production um, over the upside argument. Um, more than anything, and he's been insanely productive. Yeah. I mean, if you're like, oh, he's not the fastest story, like the Luke Keekley guy, like, oh, why does he have 120 tackles a year or whatever? Like, oh, because he's just really good. Because it's so much about positioning, reading the, the what the offense is doing, yeah. like knowing everything that's going on. So, yeah, yeah, you could be super fast, but if you get blocked by every guard that pulls and you're like, oh, if you're like, if you know it's coming and you just sort of like, I take one step to the left and I'm not getting blocked by that guy, and then I go make the tackle, you know, it's just like a whole different, yeah, it's like an instinct kind of thing. Uh, he seems to have those instincts. Uh, Drake London, who only played eight games last year, still you know didn't run the forty in his pro day, and they delayed it like three times. But he caught a bunch of passes. He worked out with TJ Husquinzada. Um Seems like he could still potentially be one or two as far as receivers go in the draft, and somewhere in the top ten, fifteen. Seems right. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from U Dub. Uh, so he's a five eleven guy, uh, but just didn't he didn't allow, he had a lot of production didn't allow a lot of catches to his side of the field even though Washington struggled. You know, it seems like a guy could go in the first round. I noticed you didn't mention uh, UCLA right tackle Alec Anderson um, and uh, defensive tackle Otito Ugbonia. Are they wide potential? receiver Kyle Phillips, tight end Greg Dulcich, all of whom I feel are uh, top of the first round talents. Really. No. Okay. okay. I was no. going to say. No. 
But you see, is a there lot anyone close? Guys drafted. Uh, I, think, I think Dulcich is the uh, highest rated. Right okay, now. it's tough. Like a uh, tight end, like you better be. But yeah, I know. Um, uh, who's the guy? Uh, who's the guy who does all the uh, draft stuff? Mel Kiper. No, the one that you like, uh, Daniel Jeremiah. Oh, there, Je- yeah. Uh, he's got Dulcich as his uh, top tight end going in. I don't like him anymore. We're fighting. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't yeah. talked to him for a while. I should call him. It's, well, it's hard to call him right now because it's like his busy. Among like a, a many different things I don't care about, uh, the NFL draft is really high on the list. So. Really? Because yeah. you have a long list of shit that you don't care about. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's tough. It's tough as a sports writer to not care about like most of the major things in the sport, but that's my cross to bear. You, yeah. You're one of those guys. Like You're not one of the people that, um, you know, there, there's like, College football writers, like more national guys, who who like, clearly hate the sport. <laughs> like I think they call, they call like Dan Wolken that like all the time. Like, do you even like this sport? Like, what are you doing? You know, it's like um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not there. It's um, but there's like aspects of it. Like people get it really. Like honestly, it's it's um, it's uh, I'll I'll own it. It's a little bit of the um. Other people are too excited about this, so I'm going to reverse course. Yes, exactly. because like the people who do like mock draft after mock draft and all that kind of shit. I'm just like. This is insane, and it's stupid. Like, it's a stupid waste of time. It's like bracketologies in January. I, like, this is such a waste of anybody's time. Why are you doing this? It's stupid. I, mock drafts are, like, the worst. I don't. I mean, well, okay, watch lists for awards are the worst. Those are stupid. Those very, are really, dumb. really dumb. I don't like mock draft. Like, you're predicting, like, a team's going to make a trade, and, like, that's the problem. There's, like, all these initial conditions, and you're like starting at the top. One thing changes. Like the number two pick gets traded. The rest of your draft is screwed. Like literally if you did a seven round mock draft, everything's screwed. Right. Because the number two pick got traded and now like everything changes. Like, uh, so even if you were really good at it, like there's, it's just so hard. Like, well, and it's, it's also like, it's part of me being like too, very much too on Twitter because you see all the people who are like armchair draft analysts and this is true for both football and basketball, like just the people who've decided I'm like a draft expert. And so I'm going to tweet about these guys all the time and like claim that I have any idea what the hell I'm looking at when I'm evaluating these guys. And there's just so many of them. And then all these people are like citing these random people on Twitter. And it's just like, this is, this is just this, like, <laughs> it's a human centipede of just like bullshit upon bullshit upon bullshit about what is basically a, a restriction on free market labor. Like, that's all we're talking about when talking about the NFL draft and the NBA draft is that we're, all we're doing is uh, needlessly restricting the wage earning potential of, of these incredible athletes. All right. I don't agree with you on those. But, uh, yeah, though it's it's really hard. Do you, to, do you think billionaires need a salary cap? Uh, the salary, like, I don't, the salary cap, I don't really, I mean, I think you can get, so, it, all right, but get rid like, of that first stuff. But the draft, pick, I get it. Because it's so a company. Like, you're like you're, Weak draft or good draft, the first round pick is getting the same He's locked in, right? At that salary level. At yeah. That, that's you think that's cool. So you uh, you you favor a system where everyone gets no, paid no, roughly I don't, the same. No, I don't like that. Like yeah, like that's you favor union wages. But that's I don't interesting, like. Ryan. There's certain things you like and certain don't like. Baseball's a little too crazy. Like you need some sort of guardrails because you could just you know the Yankees can just buy whoever they want all the time, and that's just that the Dodgers are doing it. But I don't like the NBA stuff is way too restrictive because it's like you can't trade anybody because their contract just sucks. And like it's not like a person. for. Well, the NBA is the NBA is really complicated. Like their whole system is it's all about, you know, you got to balance out the contracts unless there's this situation where it's like an exemption based on this X, Y. Yeah, but the NFL is so hard. It's a hard cap. And then the Ben Simmons thing, you're like. 
that guy's making like $120 million over three years. He's like not playing, you know, like mm-hmm. there's stuff like that too. You're like, oh my God. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not like, I think there's a lot of things you could fix probably, but it's the collective bargaining agreements, the unions, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, what were we talking about? So You're in draft. favor of unions. That's what I heard there. I have no, not. Uh, draft. Yeah. So it'll be uh, fun to see how that all comes down. We have uh, 24-7 Sports put out. This is from... Uh, Are you going to sign a mock draft right now? <clears throat> Brad Crawford. No, not a mock draft. This is a post-spring 24-7 Sports poll for 2022. So this is basically like a preseason poll, but now we've seen spring football. Uh, three Pac-12 teams made it. You got uh, number 18, USC. Uh, you go up to number 12, and you got the Oregon Ducks and Land Danning. And you go up to number six, and you got the Utah Utes. So Utah Utes been getting a lot of a lot of top 10 preseason love. Uh, so there'll definitely be a top 10 team going into it. But any thoughts on that, David Woods? No, it sounds about right. Seems about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty well done. the The last topic I had, and we don't necessarily have to um, talk about it, but uh, the transfer portal is a big deal. May first is the deadline for people to enter the portal. If you enter the portal by May first, then you can transfer somewhere. You don't have to pick where you transfer, but you can transfer somewhere and be eligible to play in twenty. Uh, 22. Um, John Wilner did a piece, uh, this week about the winners and losers in the portal. Um, for winners, he had Arizona. He got Jaden Delora. Cal got the Jake Plummer kid from Purdue. Oregon, he had a winner, got Bo Nix. USC got Caleb Williams. Utah, uh, Mahmoud Debate from Florida, the linebacker. And he has Washington State as a winner. They're getting Cameron Ward, the the quarterback, who looked really good. And the losers, he had Arizona State, who lost a lot of people. Colorado, same thing. Um, he had Oregon State as a loser. Stanford as a loser. They lost a bunch of people. The Bruins, your Bruins, he had as a loser. And the Huskies, uh, also a loser. In the So plus minus, I guess, with the portal stuff. Any thoughts on any of that? Well, so the, the tough one for me is, again, um, I didn't and will not and refuse to pay attention as Ryan talks about spring games and spring practice. Yep. Um, so my uh, focus is uh, primarily UCLA, um, as that's the spring that I actually paid attention to. And I would say paid attention to is like air quotes. Um, but I think Wilner is looking at the – he's looking at the um, – transfer portal thing on 247 and just kind of eyeballing it sure i would say just off of ucla alone i would call it a break even Um, okay i think they've lost a lot of numbers um but what they brought in with um in particular the murphy twins um but uh jalen davies is going to be a two deep guy um jacob sykes is more than likely going to be two deep he hasn't yet come in raekwon o'neill is going to start uh this summer um, once he comes in, Hearn um, is a starter cornerback. Titus uh, Mokiao Atamalala is a he's a first string receiver right now, and Darius Muasau is going to be a first string inside linebacker. So 
I think it's at worst break even uh, for UCLA right okay. now. Um, if, if you read what Will, Wilner wrote, it sounds like he thinks it's more of a break even thing. There was like yeah. 18 guys, a lot of defensive players left. Uh, Jerry Arzanaro, you know, gone, but you know, they replaced, they got some good guys to replace them. Too. Yeah, no, I think uh, Wilner does a great job. Um, I, I don't think it's much better than break even, but I think I'd probably tilt it a little bit more towards the positive than the negative right now. Yeah. And like, you know, like Washington, obviously coaching change. When you get a coaching change, there's going to be a lot of turnover. Arizona, he has up there. They lost a lot of guys, but, and, and like USC lost a lot of guys, but if you lost a lot of guys that aren't big contributors, that's one thing. You're sort of like cleaning out the roster a little bit. It seems like that what Jed Fish was doing. Lincoln Riley did a little of that. Now you lose some guys that you don't want to lose, but are there bigger additions than subtractions? So we'll yeah. see. I think we, this is something we can look at again uh, after May 1st or even later on. Like Once May 1st happens, like there's some rumblings that like there's more Arizona State guys that could go on the portal. There's some rumblings... Uh, you know, we talked about those guys last week. You know, there's some Washington guys that could potentially go in the portal. You know, with the you know the new coach there. Um, so we'll we'll probably we'll probably hit the portal a little harder, kind of going forward, because um, there's there's going to be some some more attrition and more movement Absolutely. and things like that. All right. Well, it's time to get to the spring games. Your favorite part and my favorite part. And I'm I know so da- excited. David's favorite part. So we're going to start off with UCLA Bruins. <sighs> Why isn't that a? It looks like it should be on. What happened? I'm gonna try that again. So try on the uh, board. UCLA Bruins. Can you hear it? Yeah, I've got it. Oh, okay. I, I'm, oh my! I think my uh, behind the scenes stuff. I don't think my headphones are working. But yeah, that's the Bruins side. So you could hear that. I heard the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell it. you if anything goes wrong. Thanks, because I, I should be wearing headphones. Cause can you hear me right now? I mean, I can hear you because you're in the room. Does it sound muffled? Uh, no, I just I can hear you like through. Yeah, through whatever. Well, anyway, uh, I know that sounds a word. How, so. how long are we in? 20 minutes and you're just now realizing your headphones aren't working? Yeah. Well, okay. we didn't really. Good thing we don't have any voice Yeah, but I have there. to sound muffled to you because you've got big ass headphones over your ears. That is true. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, let's get into the Bruins. <laughs> Spring showcase, spring thing. It's no, spring I don't think it was a thing because, like, it was literally, it was a practice. It wasn't the last practice. They did it on a day. They televised a regular UCLA practice on a day that there was five other Pac-12 spring <laughs> games going on. When there's a weekend this weekend where the UCLA UCLA's practice actually ends, and there's only two two spring. Well, games. and they got they got literally the lead analyst, I think, for uh, the Pac-12 network now. That's Yogi, right? Yogi and Ted Robinson. Like, that's probably that's, the number that's one That's their spring. A crew. Yeah. This was embarrassing. Like, and not, whatever, UCLA just ran a practice. But it was actively like, what the hell's going on here? Oh, wow. Something just changed with my audio because Ryan's fiddling with things. Oh, really? oh. No, no, no. Now I've got it through my right ear. It wasn't coming in through my right ear. But oh, now wow. it's not again. This is cool. Keep going. No, no, I'm loving this. Um, yeah, so this was, I mean, it was just a waste of everyone's time who wasn't actually on the team. Um, they held a, a spring, quote, showcase uh, at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Um, about, I would say, 1,500 UCLA fans showed up, which was kind of amazing given that UCLA did a basically nothing to promote it aside from a couple of emails. And then um, I, I think... Chip Kelly's commentary and everything we published beforehand actively discouraged people from coming because um, 
it was going to be a practice. Um, it was never going to be anything other. Yeah. And then it truly was. Like I thought, okay, they're saying it's a practice. It's going to be a practice, but they're still going to put together like three straight scrimmage periods. No. <laughs> it went period to period the exact same format as their regular practices. Down to in the middle of the second hour when things are finally like – you know, your your interest level is rising just a little bit higher because they've done like two straight team periods. You're like, ah. And then they do eight straight minutes of special teams blocking drills. Wow. It was insane what they did. Um, it was it was just, I mean, it was a waste of everyone's time. Um, I think it's yet another sign. And look, I don't think spring games matter. I think I'm on record as saying that, but um, in as much as they do matter, it's for marketing, it's for selling season tickets, it's for getting people interested in the program in the offseason. I can remember my brother and his friends with season tickets. My brother was like 12 years older than me. They would like spring game was their like offseason thing. Like we go to the spring game, we tailgate beforehand, we, you know, hang out, we do the whole thing. And there'd be like nine or 10,000 people there at Drake Stadium. Now it's dead. No one's there. Um, and there's no effort to turn it into any kind of event. There was no MC. There was nothing going on telling you what was happening during the practice. It was loud, blaring music with the bass set way too high, a bunch of cornhole up on the top uh, concourse, a really nice tent setup, but only for the uh, Woodward Athletic Wooden Athletic Fund donors, um, and just everyone baking in the sun, watching a practice. Wow. So Chip Kelly doing doing work there. He's uh It just I, I, it's 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 whatever. I mean, I, you can blame Chip, but the reality is somebody's got to tell him what to do with stuff like that. So in his defense, when he was getting interviewed by Yogi, by the way, I don't know if it was the camera angle. Yogi looked like he was a giant compared to <laughs> Chip. So I, I think I, they're roughly the same height, so I don't think that's right. It was like literally it like he was, you know, closer to the camera, but he looked Cuz Yogi's what? Like 5'10", 5'11"? Mm, yeah and chip's roughly the same he's like five okay well he looked like a giant uh he must have been standing on a box or something it like looked that different on the broadcast uh but chip said that you could lose out on some situations when you play a game you know you don't maybe you don't get as much red zone work so you're trying to you know work on everything so you know he's trying to give the players the best experience possible like a game you lose out some stuff you know like well honestly honestly uh for the first time ever i got a little bit of um uh, an almost embarrassed vibe from him in the post game interview that he did for like just the local media because he immediately started talking about and this was you know this was just our thir- our twelfth practice this was just another practice for us but like in this way where he wasn't it even was on TV he wasn't even asked about it like really in that in that way but he was still he was already like pre justifying it because I think he felt it a little bit like you've got TV cameras there you've got interviews going on and you're just you like purposely you're, you're, tried to make it late. Yeah, you're running like it, the thing is like at practice on Tuesday, like yesterday. Um, they did some cool stuff at the very end. They did two minute drill um, where they were trying to work up the field to get a field goal from you know their own twenty or whatever in like thirty five seconds. Well, here's how we're gonna do it. If you had just done that for an eight minute period and then done another period of uh, you know pure red zone drills or whatever it is, that at least is giving you a feel. But the thing is, they weren't stringing them together. They were formatting it exactly the same as like a regular practice. So it was individuals, then on-air stuff, then team stuff. It never got in a rhythm for people who were actually watching for that sort of stuff. For my purposes, it didn't matter because it's the same sort of practice I'm always watching. But for like getting people interested, getting right. people excited about anyone, like any individual at all, it didn't do the job. You weren't, yeah, you weren't no. selling it at all. Um, 
Uh, Chip was really uh, praising Jake Bobo, the wide receiver transfer from Duke. He's probably going to be the number one guy. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's um, I think he's been good, but I think it's also um, just the changeover at that position. Um, they've lost some guys, and so he makes sense. Um, he's got a lot of experience, a big body, catch the ball in traffic. Yeah. Uh, I loved hearing Ken Norton Jr. I mean, I covered him when he was at USC. He was really fired up. So he's, Yeah, he's been one of my favorite assistants so far in spring. He's, yeah. he's a lot of fun to watch, Coach. He's fun. He's really, really engaged, really fired up, and like – I mean, it's obviously, but like, just so positive, like, but in like that, I'm going to kick your ass to oh, be yeah, positive yeah. kind of way. It's not like I'm a mean, I'm going to kick your ass. It's like, I'm really fun, but I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, like, no, he's a great person. No, you're going to redo that, but you're going to do a great job this time. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, he's fun. When I heard Jerry Neuheisel, I was like, is he doing an impression of his dad? It's insane. Like, this is He was formed via mitosis. It was not... <laughs> It was not a regular this human is like pregnancy. Boba Fett. Yeah, no, this was this was cloning. Exactly clone. Like they took they took some cells and they made him in a petri dish. Uh, it is nuts. I thought it was a joke. I'm like, wait, that's what he sounds oh like. Oh my god! It's yeah, like, holy shit! He's just trying to sound like. Is this, if you were doing an impression of your dad, like that's what it would sound like. Yeah, it's, but it's him. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It is freaky. And he didn't have gloves, so I don't know what that. Uh, Martin Jarmond, the athletic director, talked a little bit, but he said, and I thought I quoted this for you on Twitter: "The best is yet to come for Chip." So I think he's ready to pull the trigger on an extension. That's what I felt. Is that is that what you felt hearing it? If I was Martin, I just wouldn't say stuff like that. I, I think there's a way to be like not. I'm not engaging with you, Ryan, on this, but there's a way to <laughs> there's a way to support your head coach without um, potentially scoring own goals like that. Okay. You know, why 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 deliver a quote like that that could be just repeatedly thrown back against you for the next year or two as he goes like eight and four and then six and six? All right. Well, this one was uh, 9 a.m. And my apologies. Last week when I was previewing the spring games, I missed uh, Colorado and Washington State. Uh, they, they weren't listed on the Pac-12 network feed when I put this doc together. Um, but next up, so that was 9 a.m. Then at 11 a.m. they had Utah Utes. The Utes. It was a. Uh, it was actually a spring game. This was okay. This was the the most spring games of all the spring games. Like this was the most game of all the spring games. It was uh, white beat red twenty one fourteen right on the number. It was a seven point spread. So they they Vegas nailed this one. Uh, Roxy Bernstein, uh, Stephen Sylvester, former uh, Utah player, but the the quarterbacks outside of Cam Rising were live. Hell yeah, baby. You could tackle the motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, damn. Uh, pouring down rain, hail. Uh, one of the. The most Utah ass spring game was, you could imagine. I forget what it was. They were saying. interviewing uh, Junior Tafua, like uh, the defensive lineman, Tafuna. He's got like kind of uh, curly hair. It, he's too tall to like get under the tent to be interviewed. Um, it's you know, so because it's rain. So he's standing outside getting interviewed on TV. There's hail in his hair. You can see like pieces, white pieces in his hair. It looks like you know huge dandruff. It's just talking or whatever. Um, Kyle Whittingham in shorts, you know, in the pouring <laughs> rain. He says he only wears shorts if it's like 20 degrees or lower. I mean, pants if it's like 20 degrees. It was very, very, very uh, Utah. Extremely Utah. Yeah. Peak Utah. They're going 11 and one. We only got to see Cam Rising that first um, series, and I think they they shut him down. He had a. Uh, a nice sideline pass. Uh, it was four for six on the drive, and a touchdown. All of the throws were downfield. 
And then he was done after that. But he's the only one that had like a, a you know, don't hit me jersey on. They like Jalen Glover a lot, the freshman running back from Florida. Kind of re- remind, uh, remind of him, Zach Moss, another Florida kid. Um, so it was seven to seven and a half. So it was, you know, nail biter. Uh, but White came back and, uh, and won 21 14. There was a t- touchdown taken off the books. Uh, who was it? It was one of the, the backup quarterbacks had like a long run, I believe it was. And he's kind of high steps as he's about to go into the end zone. Pac 12 refs, unsportsmanlike, take the touchdown away. Now he gets a touchdown pass a little bit later on the drive, but that's very Pac 12 ref to take a touchdown away uh, by high stepping in there. Um, there was a lot of Rose Bowl talk, uh, a lot of just. You feel like this was a program that's been building, building, building kind of slowly, and they're really capitalizing on making it to the Rose Bowl. It seems like recruiting stepped up. Just everything they're doing, all the everything about the program seems to be going in the right direction. Um, it was it was the point the rain was coming down so hard. It was hard to hear the interviews because they're like just it's like pouring down rain and everything. Um, they also said uh, the athletic director came on and they said they have a shitload of requests. Maybe he didn't use that word. Uh, for tickets for the Florida game in Gainesville. So expect a lot of Utes to be down there uh, in Gainesville for this one. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, but good showing. Uh, that was, it was very spring. Like you would have, you, if you would have watched the game, you would probably like this one the most. Yeah, I would have tolerated it the most because it sounds like it was actual football. But like in the same way, I mean, it, it has to matter, right? And this doesn't matter. I mean, seeing like camera, they let the quarterbacks get tackled. I have to watch UCLA for my job. It like right. behooves me to watch it. It behooves me to pay attention. Yes. And I still struggle with spring. <laughs> because like August practices, like if they still had those open, those I would watch pretty intently, right? Because you're leading up to the season. The shit they do in spring sometimes doesn't even matter. Anthony Barr didn't switch from uh, offense to defense until fall camp, if I'm remembering correctly. Like sometimes just weird stuff happens in the summer and then suddenly you're looking at a whole new thing. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, next up, let's do this was the only one that wasn't on the Pac-12 network. USC Trojan. So this was kind of going on during so I could watch the beginning of the Utah game, and then I had to switch over to watch uh USC. Um because yeah, but they were over on ESPN. Big production, Kirk Herbstreit was supposed to be there. He was not, so he ends up having – he tweeted out he had like a blood clot, so he's kind of staying – he's not doing the draft coverage. So we weren't sure why he wasn't there, but that was essentially the reason why. Um, there was – let's see. So what's going on? So the first – so you have – everyone wants to see some of the new transfers. Caleb Williams goes six for six on the first drive. Touchdown to Caleb Williams um, – to uh, Mario Williams, his former Oklahoma teammate. He ended up having – Two touchdown passes. He looked good. Miller Moss, the backup. They only had two uh, scholarship quarterbacks, but they both looked good. Cal Ford. Oh, that do- defense must be shit then. Uh, in the first half, it was more offense. The second half, the defense played better. Um, but the I liked uh, what Miller Moss he threw. My guy, Cal Ford, the former five-star, had like a 48-yard touchdown was there. And then some of the transfers, like Romello Height got a sack, the Auburn transfer. Uh, Shane Lee, the middle linebacker from Alabama, he was – kind of all over the place. Uh, Tuli Tuli Pelotu, his brother Marlon, uh, played at USC. He had a bunch of tackles for loss. So it was just kind of fun. It was an offense versus defense. They played two 15-minute halves. So they did like a real game for part of it. But they, unlike UCLA, they had like a huge production. Like there was, you know, games for kids. There was all kinds of like food trucks. It was like, 
And they had over 33,000 people there, which when I was covering the team for like Leinert and Bush and stuff in the early 2000s, you got like 10, 15,000 people. They had some in and out trucks and that was it. So they could rather really try to put a lot into it. And I know they were trying to like showcase it on ESPN. So I think, I think they did a, a pretty good job with it. Um, they're still going to add some dudes from the portal. Uh, there was a targeting call in the game that totally wasn't targeted. So it was only like two penalties. One of them, this guy, uh, I think it was uh, Latrell um, Blackwin. Or, no, wait, what am I blanking on his name? Why do I, it's, it's one of the new guys. Oh, Latrell McCutcheon. Uh, the safety comes in like shoulders into the ball carrier, like into his stomach, and they call targeting. It was completely not targeting. But they, they throw him out of the game. He's like disqualified. Like they announce he's disqualified in a spring game. But then he's playing like a couple plays later. But I thought it was two very Pac-12 ref moments, taking a touchdown off the board and kicking a guy out of the spring game for a targeting call that wasn't even targeting. Wow. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It's a spring game. Who cares? Spring. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that was, I think, the contextually, because um, UCLA during the Mora years, they started doing it at the Rose Bowl again. And they were able to get some crowds. Like they got... I don't want to. I don't think it was thirty three, but I think they got like fifteen to twenty a that's couple good. of times. That's good, and it yeah. was good. Like it was, and it was a lot of fun. They did a bunch of, and Mora himself like emceed the whole thing. Like was like full on like directing traffic and saying, "Oh, now we're gonna do this." But that shows this. effort. Like you could say that's bad. That's I think that's good. No, it and was, that's it, effort. Like hey, was, I'm trying to make this fun. It, for it's the what people. I call Jed Fish behavior, and we should all <laughs> emulate Jed Fish in all things. Um, and, Trying. Yeah, and that's the thing is like UCLA just didn't try. They didn't like they and the thing is I want to separate the football program from the school because the school tried. There were like free muffins, there were there was cornhole, there was all that stuff, but there's only so much you can do if you don't have to buy into the football program itself. Yes. Um and I think something needed to happen there where Chip was told in no uncertain terms this either needs to be an event or we need to s- completely de-emphasize it and not even do it at Drake and just have like an hour on the Pac-12 network where they do some interviews and have some B-roll because this is not going to, yeah. this isn't going to fly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got three more. We're only halfway through. I'm so excited. We got to talk about more. Next up we have Colorado Buffalo. Oh my God. You have so many notes about this. Why are there so many notes? The buffs. Uh, so our buddy, Guy Haverman and Max Brown was on the uh, the call for this one. Uh, this one was not on like Pac-12 networks because there was too many things going on at the same time, but they had it on Pac-12 Mountain. Uh, this is the 99th season over at Folsom Field. So beautiful. And Ralphie ran, and she is bigger. Remember last year? Ralphie just wasn't that big. Ralphie's much bigger. Uh, it was very... <laughs> uh, so we don't have to go over all this stuff, but uh, I do have a lot of notes for Colorado. Carl Durrell... It was so funny. Listen, I want to get your thoughts on this. This is real. So he was talking about mission accomplished for what happened in the spring. <laughs> he was happy with the progress of new offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford, even though, you know, they got shut out by Minnesota and Minnesota still fired him. And he's now Colorado's offensive coordinator, like literally. So he likes his versatility because he can coach drop back passers and dual threat guys. So it was like, like the stuff he was saying, you're like, so he's not really good at anything, but he could, he could, he's okay at coaching either one. So like, if you're not sure which direction you're going to go, like you have a drop back, you have a, a dual threat guy, he could coach them both. So that's good. Um, so he said that 
they tweaked some things on defense. He was like, yes. Uh, it, was, it was something along the lines of like, yes, uh, we lost some talented guys, but now we have more depth because the other guys are about the same, you know, like, so we lost our good players, but now the guys that are left are all pretty equal. So now we have more depth. Like literally that's what he was saying. Like, do you know, do you know what, like, <laughs> yes. that's what I got the impression. Like, so, okay. So your best players are gone, but now everyone else is pretty even. So like, that's, that's good. Like, like, like that's somehow a positive. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like that's sort of what he did to UCLA too. <laughs> Like, if we bring the talent level to below average by Pac-12 standards, we're going to have a ton of depth because it's going to be three deep of just mediocre Jags. It's it, – I, I didn't get it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> who's listening to this and going, oh, great. Oh, so your best players are gone, but now everyone's, like, on the same page. Like, everyone's close. So we So instead of having, like, a backup, now we have, like – two potential starters. Now, neither one of them are as good as the guy that left, but, <laughs> but we have two. Like, I was like, well, are you freaking kidding me? So he was talking about the portal. He said, it's challenging. Um, yes, it's challenging when you lose a bunch of guys. Uh, they did go back to, uh, he held a football school. So guys in classrooms, like literally going back to the basics. Um, emphasized how important walk-ons are. You know, because when your your depth is moving, when your best players leave, you need those walk ons to fill in. And be, <laughs> like I, I didn't quite get it. Uh, I like. Rick oh Jordan. no, I think you get it. I think you do understand. <laughs> but why? I so, think you understand what's happening, and I think the Colorado fans, the few who can stomach this or who are listening, also understand what's going on. I feel on. really bad, but like Rick George, I like as an athletic director, but I, I'm not sure what's going on here. But he says he likes the energy of the coaching staff. He says there's high expectations, which I just don't get. Um, he said there's a young, energetic staff that recruits well. Uh, he doesn't like the collectives, but they might get one soon, what he was talking about. Um, so Brendan Lewis is still there, but JT Shrout, who was injured last year, he's the more like, he's got the the most arm talent. It sounds like there's going to be a competition, but he only got to do like 7-7 seven, seven stuff. So I think in the fall, if you really just need, a, if Mike Sanford wants a pocket passer, it's going to be with Shrout. Um, so, but they, they all felt that, uh, Lewis looks like a better quarterback now. Um, they didn't have a whole lot of healthy guys on the offensive line. They did get a transfer RJ Sneed from Baylor, who looks like their best receiver. So I guess similar to UCLA, you got a transfer that might be your, your number one starter. Uh, they didn't really keep score, but I don't remember seeing any touchdowns for quite a while. So that was sort of like a bad thing. Then, um, their, their walk on one running back scored a couple times. Um, but he's, uh, Darrell at the end said he made a mistake, not recruiting his own team after the season. That's something he would do again. I mean, obviously the guys he lost to the portal, but it helped with your depth. And, uh, so there was some scoring, but it was all late when they were doing some red zone stuff. So the beginning of the thing, when it was like team stuff, I didn't see the offense score. So that's sort of like what we saw last year. That was, that's my takeaway from it. Carl Darrell is 58 years old. He's been a coach for a long time. Yeah. He made a mistake not recruiting his own team after the season. <laughs> I just won't do that again. I we love you guys in Colorado, but if you guys watch that broadcast, like tell me I'm wrong. Like tell me, like you didn't hear him right. Like he said other things than what you heard. Cause I was like scratching my head. Like that's why I had to write the notes down. I'm like, wait, he said this, he said this. Like, are you kidding me? See, you would have liked that too. You would have like you should just watch the interview. You could do that on Pac twelve. No, thank you. Com. No, thank you. All right. Why, uh, why do that when I have you transcribing? True. Uh, 
Where else can you get this kind of content, by the way? Never. Nobody's freaking doing this. Nobody's doing this. But me, because I'm level, insane. At the level you're doing it. <laughs> Why is this happening? What the, I was literally, okay, so the thing that made it easier, and I, so we're in person today because I tested uh, negative finally for COVID. Um, like, I was fine. We, like, last week we had to do it remote. Um, but I was, you know, in quarantine all week. I was on the couch. So I'm watching, like, NBA playoffs and Pac-12 spring games. So that's that's what I did. I couldn't go to the USC spring game. All the spring game stuff. Lincoln Riley's first spring game. I couldn't be there because I was still positive. That's uh, great. But now I'm good. I'm happy for you. All right. You were able to avoid that. Our Pac-12 North champion. Oregon Ducks. Uh, all the broadcasts are a little different. They have, like, different feels and stuff. But they usually have like former players that are involved. So Jordan Kent and Nick Aliotti and like he like basically everyone that Oregon brought in were former guys that he had coached before and like hey coach it was just it was just this kind of a weird feeling. It was a green versus yellow. Um really like an eyesore like watching these uniforms go at each other. Uh but they had a pretty big crowd. I think they had like 40,000 people there. When they showed Dan Lanning, he's got this long sleeve like camo shirt on. Land Danning, Danning. my apologies. I actually wrote Dan Landing. What am I doing? Uh, he had this long sleeve kind of camo shirt on. He sort of looked like a strength, like an assistant strength coach. Like that's what, if you looked at him, like you don't know who that is. He's a young guy. Like, oh, that's like the assistant strength coach. Like, nope, nope, that's the head coach. Uh, so a lot of emphasis on competing. They had D'Anthony Thomas there. They had a whole bunch of former players, uh, Eric Armstead, guys like that. They were honorary coaches. Um, Seven McGee looked really good. Like he sort of would be like the the Anthony Thomas guy. A lot of versatility. Um, so I liked him. Uh, let's see. Yellow team, 31-21 victory over the green team. Are you kidding? The yellow team? Yeah. They won by 15 over the green team? The green team was favored by Holy three and a half. Holy shit. Three and a half. And, wow. Uh, and yellow won by 10. Wow. Uh, the topsy-turvy Pac-12 already well, had it. So yellow was up 14 nothing on the green early. So you thought, like, wow, the, the odds makers really got this wrong. Green goes up 21-14. Like, Vegas freaking knows. Vegas knows. And then 31-21, yellow had a pick six in there. Uh, there were five turnovers in this game. I would say, like, Bo Nix, like, uh, Thompson. Thompson, I think, had two picks. Uh, Butterfield had a pick. So Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield, um, and Bo Nix. Bo Nix was 8 of 15, 230 yards and three touchdowns, but he had a really bad pick. I think Bo Nix is going to be your starter, would be my guess from watching the all-important spring game, David. But he's going he's gonna to make some mistakes. He's going to throw some shitty balls. He's not a good quarterback. He looked, he looked okay. But like he'll do some good things and do some bad things. More like no bicks. I would say the defense has depth. Like so, all that recruiting that Oregon's done, it looks like there's some good guys there, and they didn't even have like some of their best players play. Um, I don't think like the starting like defensive line were playing, but that I think it's going to be a good defensive team. I think they're going to have some moments on offense, but they're going to struggle. I don't think they have any really experienced wide receivers. Uh, but my guess is it's going to be Bo Nix at quarterback. So. Um, you know, here's the issue though. So I, from the second quarter on, I think the defense dominated. Oh, they played shout like at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So they kind of made it more like a real game. The fans are all dancing around, uh, you know, the animal house kind of stuff. I thought that was good. Uh, but they think they're going to push the ball down the field more, but I think there's going to be more mistakes too. 
Um, the end of this game, now it was always it was already 31-21, so that was the final score. I missed like the last three minutes of the game. The broadcast cut off. That's sad. How'd you handle that? It was it was spiritually, I, I threw spiritually and the, emotionally. I threw something at the TV. So I don't know. Like I put the record. I recorded the live thing, but I think sometimes Sling might record the next, the, the newest one, so they might not play the whole thing. I don't know. Or maybe they just ran out of time. It's the Pac-12 Networks, and got cut off. But uh, yeah, the odds makers were wrong on this one. Oregon, uh, the yellow or green or whoever I said they won. Okay, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, talented team. I think they'll be better on defense than offense. Is is my takeaway that from that sense. one. And then the last one, Washington State Cougars. It looks like he has to like go somewhere. Like he's just you know. no, no. I'm I'm I I'm trying to have an out of body experience, but it's not working. <laughs> and he brought donuts. All right, uh, the Cougs. This was the uh, the the late one. Remember Michael Bumpus? Yes. Yeah, he's like the highest rated recruit ever for Washington State. But he was on the call. Ryan Leaf was on the sideline. Ryan Leaf, they threw a pass. So uh, they were interviewing, um, I forget who they were interviewing. Um, I think it was Dickert uh, on the on the sideline. Like Ryan Leaf is interviewing. He's like, hey, do you got a throw in you? And so he's like warming up his arm. You know, he's, he's a big dude. Uh-huh. Uh, he tries to throw, he tries to throw a pass like this out route or something. And it's like, you know, four feet short. And he's like, one more, one more. Okay. And then there was like more of a comeback route. And it like barely got there. And the guy comes back and makes the catch. And uh, it was funny afterwards. He's like, he's like, you know, I've, you haven't thrown the ball for a while, but in your mind, you still can gun it like the way, like he goes, I just need to put air under it. Like in my mind, I could still just do that, you know? <laughs> and he couldn't. Like it's like, oh shit, it just short. Like, um, so it was kind of funny. It's like, yeah, like if he would have like tried to put air out, but he just tried to throw it like he was a stud quarterback. He's like, he's not that. <laughs> it was pretty, it was kind of a funny moment. Um, this was Crimson versus Gray, offense versus defense. Um, Cameron Ward is the guy you want to see. He had a really nice touchdown drive. Uh, Drake Owens going to probably catch a lot of balls uh, this this time around. I mean, this year uh, he was wide open in the end zone. He's funny to watch. Um, if you saw any of his tape, he's like a kind of Patrick Mahomesy with like the arm angles. Like if he's just sort of moving to his right, like to his side, he might hook it like sidearm or three quarter. Mm-hmm. He's coming coming from all different uh, angles, but. He's fun to watch. He's probably going to make some mistakes and stuff too. But um, so he looked good out there. The other quarterbacks threw some picks. Um, they have tight ends. They're going to use tight ends. Damn. Yeah. What so, are we calling this offense? I mean, it's a it's a offshoot of the air raid, but it's not Mike Leach's air raid. Right. Like they will actually use tight ends. Um, you know, they're going to be more run game focused. Like. And I saw this with USC too. Like you saw guards and tackles like pulling and like leading for the run game. They're not, it's not just like kind of zone right. blocking stuff. Um, they're going to do the same kind of stuff, you know, pulling their guards, you know, trying to get the run game going as well. They have a left tackle, Jake Wilson, who is 6'11. He was an Idaho basketball player. Uh, tried out for like, he went to become an intern. At Washington State, and they're like, uh, you should play football. <laughs> and so he could be their starting left tackle. Uh, they did use a lot of tempo. Um, the Kook defense, do you remember what they were famous for last year, what they did well? No. Did you, no. Uh, turnovers. They forced a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Same thing. They did a lot of that stuff there. So it's kind of a – that's good. I mean, because, you know, Dickert's still there, right? So, um, you know, forcing some turnovers. 
there's a new wazoo philosophy. I don't even know what that is, but there was a little buzzword thing. And then uh, they had a weird, they probably had the weirdest scoring system. It was basically like defense got points. If you got any kind of stop, if they got a, they had a couple like defensive turnover, I mean, touchdowns. So I think they got points that way too. But the defense was up big. And then there was a final TD bomb at the very end that the offense won 56-51. So I liked the scoring the best. It was good. Cameron Ward didn't like it. They were talking about the scoring. He's like, but like, well, you were you were getting stopped. So like give the defense points. If you don't, if you don't score points, the defense should get points. Um, so it was a lot of scoring. It was a lot of fun. It was a good one. But I, you wanted to see Cameron Ward. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So next week, what do we got? We got the Cal Spring Game. They call it a spring game. And the Washington Spring Preview, which that just, that means it's going to be lame, I think. Oh, yeah. That sounds like my kind of shit right there. That sounds like the UCLA thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So it could be one of those things. I hope it's just them, like, literally parading the players out there and, like, giving some biographical details and they don't even have a practice. So I just talked to you about six Pac 12 spring games that I watched. Uh huh. And I'm freaking giddy. I can't. <laughs> I I thought about getting up and going to the bathroom in the middle of the Colorado one. You, well, but there were so many. See, but I tried to find the stuff that you would care about, like what Carl Durrell said. Like you're going to have to comment. I was on able it. to engage with that. Yes. Yeah. I tried to. You know, I wanted you to be involved. Not a lot of meat on that bone, but we. we, we the stuff he said, like just go watch it. You're like, but I mean, you would believe it because because it's Carl. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and answer questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All righty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. I, I'm just—I feel like I'm going to Vegas, so it's going to be fun. But I don't know if I'm going to have more fun than talking about Pac-12 spring games that we just did. After I had a couple donuts, talk about Pac-12 spring games. like what? What could be better? I—I I mean, I can think of a few things. <laughs> like just off the top of my head, I can think of a few things, and I think if you gave me a little bit of time, I could think of a lot more. All right, uh, let's see. Where are we starting with? I think we're starting at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of talking. You got to do some talking. Um, Where are we? We are at. I think we're the 22nd Friday. Is it the pain one? Yes. Okay. Well, we omitted. All right. So somebody noted that we omitted the Washington State um, uh, spring game from our discussion. Yeah, I did that. And then people pointed that on Twitter, and then I added it to the content item, but we didn't get to talk about Nobody it. Nobody goes to our website, so 
that was probably um, too little and too late. But I also mentioned at the top of this show, you know, yeah, that it had already happened, right? That it that they didn't. So if if the dedicated listeners who you purport they they are interested in spring games, if they were using us as our their sole source of info, they were not able to watch the Washington State spring game. I know. Well, I use the Pac-12 networks or the Pac-12 website. Okay, so we're pointing fingers elsewhere. I, you just claimed that you you are providing a content a piece of content that no one else is providing. It you got to own it. It's true. Uh, I go to the Pac-12 network or Pac-12 mm-hmm. website this morning, and they list the Cal Spring game. They don't list the Washington Spring game. Wow. I had to go. Again, again. I had to go scour the internet. You know, go to dogman.com and see when the spring game was. So because I knew there was only two left. Look, heavy is the head that wears the crown, but it's yours to bear. I got it right though. I got boom. You didn't yeah. get it right last week though. No, that's true. This is I only got four out of six. Okay. All right. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so is Payne the first one? Yeah, I'll, I'll start here. This is from Jackson. Payne. Hey guys, I'm back again and once more convinced that Ray Anderson wants the football program at Arizona State to burn. This next season is obviously not expected to be ASU's best, but Eric Gentry and Ricky Pearsall were two of the on- two of only a handful of bright spots the team had. I'm sure you guys have already discussed this on this week's episode. I haven't had the chance to listen yet, but what will this do to ASU this coming season? Another question I have now is how long it will take uh, for ASU to get out from this disaster they are facing. Maybe since I live in Salt Lake City, now I can jump on the Utah bandwagon. Wow. I think that's a good idea. Like, I would definitely... If I had any connection to the Utah football program, I would have jumped on that bandwagon <laughs> a long, long, long time ago. Well, happy birthday, Herm, again. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for positivity, Jackson, it is Herm's birthday. This only happens once a year. Yeah. That's positivity right there. I I don't know. I mean, there's. I think there's some good people. I'm not saying, you know, smart people. Like I, like I said, I like Rick George. I, I just don't think Carl Durrell is going to work. I mean, I think at this point you've put so much into this Herm thing that you're not willing to get, but like, you know, David's not right a lot, but Holy crap. He was right when he tweeted dear Ray Anderson, the best time to fire Herm Edwards was several months ago. Yeah. The the second best time is right now. (laughs) There's not a point where it would be a bad idea to fire him. You could fire him now, go into the season with an interim and you would feel, you know, the fan base would feel as if a weight had lifted off of them. Because yeah. everyone, I think, going into this year knows exactly what it's going to be now. It's going to be a chore. It's going to be a, just a trudge to the finish. And at the end of it, some major change is going to happen. Get that out of the way now. Yeah. Because then everyone can... Here's the thing. As a UCLA person for many, many years now, um, going into a season where you know that you just you kind of want the team to fail <laughs> is really, really tough. It's It's a struggle. And I think every ASU fan right now, they can't feel like, oh, yeah, I can freely root for this team to win. I can freely feel like they've got it on the right track because... Because if they do, then... Because they obviously don't. Yeah. Um, and it's just... it's 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 If they go into it with an interim, just some dude, just some random alum or whatever the hell it is, then they could say, oh, we're just rooting for the players. We're rooting for having a good time and have a good season. And you can do it with kind of a weight lifted off your shoulders. But... It's it's hard to do that when you know it's a dead man walking who has still um, the you know the the iron grip of support from Ray Anderson because they are literal professional like uh, they had a professional relationship before yes. they were even there. So um, coach agent, like, yeah, yeah. They, they needed a clean house, and I think if they started now, they would earn some goodwill from their fan base. What makes you go into a season like wanting UCLA to lose? Like if you don't like 
like if Rick Neuheisel is the head coach and you're like, I don't want this to continue. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a coaching absolutist, um, which makes me uh, kind of on the psycho end of uh, <laughs> of the fan base. Where if I feel like the coach is um, a bad fit, is not going to work out, then I'm I'm an absolutist. I'm rooting for losses. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So say so you wake up. It's uh, early January second, and so just picture this in your lifetime. UCLA had just won the Rose Bowl. That year, you're not going to root for like so. Anytime UCLA's won the Rose Bowl in your lifetime, you haven't rooted for the head coach to get fired that following year, right? Like, have that is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Right. Yeah. You want to know why? <laughs> Wait, why? Because <laughs> I was a literal baby when that happened. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Clay Helton won a Rose Bowl. Yep. Okay. Anyway, all right. Though this actually, I think there's like two of them, like on the same page. I don't know if we have like listeners that are in the same household or something. But where to live? Hey guys, if you had to pick one Pac-12 city to live in and cover the team besides the schools you currently cover, where would you choose? Thanks, Ross. And he says, "P.S. Love the spring ball talk. Keep it up, Ryan. Thank you, Ross. I appreciate that. We have another one. I like we have one that's more detailed. I think the next one. Okay." I'll just go to the next one, too, because it's it's going to cover the same thing. All right. Uh, question for the POC. This is from Jared. Longtime listener, first-time writer. I'm moving to Oregon from Seattle this weekend, which means I have a four-plus-hour drive in a U-Haul with no cruise control ahead of me. To help me stay entertained and alert on my drive, I thought I'd ask you some questions. As a Washington alum and fan that is moving to Oregon, I was curious, if you had to move to another town city, these are back-to-back like questions. It's crazy. Uh, in the Pac-12, and become a fan for that team, uh, which would you pick? Please rank them based on the quality of living in their city or town and having to root for that team, too. Uh, to control for quality of life, let's assume your salary would be comparable to what you make now, but uh, scaled to a new city. For example, the Bay Area, you'd make more in Seattle. You'd make about the same in L.A. and in Corvallis or the Palouse. You'd be making at least twelve seventy-five an hour, ten fifty an hour for Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so cities we would like to live in. Boulder's up there. Okay. So this is it's got to be a combo of we want to live there and we want to root for that team. I don't know how much you want to weigh. I I could root for anybody. I like, could root for anybody. I mean, I've. <laughs> it's going to be more about where I want to <laughs> live. Look what I've been doing. <laughs> That's uh, true. So, uh, so LA's are out. So we're not in LA. Not in LA. So Boulder's up there. I I might go Tempe. I might go Arizona State. You're a desert rat. I kind of I love golf. Like wow. Uh the cost of living is pretty good. Uh I think I might go. I think I might go ASU. That's your number one, ASU. I lo- I love fe- I like going to Scottsdale. I mean, I'd live in Scottsdale and drive to Tempe, but uh, either place in Arizona is like pretty close to the bottom of my list. Really? Yeah, very close. Tucson might be the bottom, but I like like Scottsdale. Tucson's fine. Yeah. Um, they like, have some good golf there and stuff too. Like, I mean, I talk shit about it, but it's I mean, it's fine. I I don't want to live someplace where it's that goddamn hot all the time. Yeah, I mean, after a while, I might not like. I only visit and stuff, but it's it's definitely uh, so. Hot. I'm I'm I would much prefer it being cold and rainy than hot. See, and yeah, shitty. no, I I avoid the cold and rain. Like Pacific but like one hundred and twenty degrees, I'll take I'll take forty five and rainy. That's fine. No, I would take one hundred twenty. Yeah, Jesus, you're a desert rat. Yeah. All right. So who's who's your number one? Boulder. 
Okay, so you go Boulder. I what I would so you would have Arizona State low. Mm-hmm. I would have Boulder up there. It would probably be in the top three or. F- I'd probably go four Boulder, and then I'd probably go Seattle. I might go Salt Lake City before Seattle. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean Seattle's uh, Salt Lake City's probably in my top six. Okay. Um. It's just again you're getting a little bit of that like kind of barren desert feel just like very very shortly out of town from there i would probably learn to ski if i was there definitely if i was in boulder yeah um and then uh so the thing is like seattle would be up there the bay area i think i think that would be low for me like so expensive it's just way too goddamn expensive i lived there i lived there i was in mountain view like when i was an engineer you know like in silicon valley and i i didn't like it I uh, liked it okay. Um, if I lived in San Francisco, that'd be kind of fun, you know? Yeah. But, like, are you going to – if I have to live in, like, Berkeley or, like – if I have to live in the East Bay or in, like, the South yeah, Bay – Yeah, if you can live in the middle of the city, I think it's great. Yeah, if I was in San Francisco, I could do that. But, like, I've, I'm, I, I lived in the South Bay. I didn't really care for it. It was just really expensive. I feel the same way about San Francisco the way I kind of do about New York City, where it's like, okay, this is nice to visit, but I don't – I would not want to live here. Um, it's too too urban. Like it's just too like yeah, it really. It's it really, hard to have a car. It has like, to be walkable. Like yeah. everything has to be walkable because you can't like you're not parking anybody anywhere any yeah. anytime, uh, and it's just insanely expensive. So, so I think Bayer would be lower lower for me. Yeah, I'd probably go um, Eugene is up there. Um, the Oregon schools are interesting for me. They would probably be in the middle. Yeah. Um, because like it's not Seattle. Seattle. Like if I was in Portland, that'd be one thing. Yeah. Um, is there a school that you okay? So USC and UCLA are out of it. Is there a school you wouldn't want to root for? Like, I I don't think I was. I don't think I could stomach rooting Stanford? for Stanford. Or, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. I don't think I could do it. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't. I don't think I could handle it at all. <laughs> I was gonna say that my sister's like. Went to USD, University of San Diego. She would come up to USC games and stuff. And she just, the only team she hated was Stanford. She's like, I hate that tree. I hate that Stanford. Like, I just, I hate the tree, but I also like, I just, I hate the idea of Stanford, <laughs> you know? But if you were, if you were Stanford, like they'd be like, you could just look your, you know, down your nose at people and uh-huh. stuff. That'd be yeah. kind of fun. I hate the idea of it. <laughs> All right. I think we got that one pretty good. He said, suck it. Which teams uh, do you have the most and least animosity towards? Please rank the teams of the Pac-12 by which teams you consider your most to least hated rivals. I, uh, most animosity. Um, so I don't really feel a ton for anybody. Um, Stanford's probably number one for me. Um, yeah, it's probably just like what we were just talked about. It would say like Stanford's kind of the meh. Yeah. Everyone else is like... Oregon could get a little chippy sometimes. Yeah, you know? Oregon's got some fans who um, <laughs> who make it a struggle. Um, yeah, uh, I would say I so like least animosity. I would say I, I enjoy Washington fans. I enjoy Utah fans. Um, Colorado fans. I feel sad for you, and so <laughs> I, I appreciate you too. Um, Arizona fans can get a little bit, um, you know, it's it's a struggle. They're living in the desert. I try not to blame them too much. Um, uh, I don't really have much of a problem with ASU fans. They seem, you know, yeah, fine. Um, 
Stanford and Cal fans, I think the seven of them combined, um, the, the five of them were, were Cal fans in the early 2000s were really obnoxious, but mm. they've since gone away. Um, USC fans, like, I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the rivalry is what it is, but also, um, you know, a bunch of my friends are USC fans. So it's like, oh, whatever. You're going to, when the Death Star comes in, you're going to, to feel differently because yeah been bad well, for a while. so so that's the thing is like <laughs> the, the carol years this answer would have been obvious and easy <laughs> um so if if lincoln riley does uh if uh if somehow it doesn't get blown up um over endor uh this coming season uh it could get really obnoxious very quickly um like if you've got all the usc fans like because it's not like the hardcore of USC fandom that has been widowed, like winnowed down to this like hardcore. It is not actually too dissimilar from the hardcore of UCLA fans <laughs> who have been winnowed down over the last like <laughs> 15, 20 years. Um, but it's when you add the like the others, like the ones who are like the front runner. Because the thing is, USC, oh, yeah. when it's good, attracts the Laker fan. And oh, the yeah, Laker yeah, fan yeah. is nobody you want. You, you don't want Laker fan <laughs> doing anything because they are the most obnoxious people in the entire world. Nice. Um, and that's what's going to happen uh, if USC gets good again. They'll have Laker fan in droves. Yeah. Well, then when they were good, then there was no NFL teams too. So yeah, it's yeah. just sort of like they, were, they fill the void. No, but it's and, it's it's the Laker and Dodger fan, like the ones who are just like, yeah, go Dodgers, and they don't know like anybody on the team, but they're just like <laughs> they like to yell at sports. Yeah. Um, they'll start coming to the Coliseum again. Yeah. And he says, finally, if you were stuck in a desert island, on a desert island, with only a shopping cart full of one product from Trader Joe's for substance, what would you choose? Let's assume you have access to water on the island to keep it more interesting. Thanks and keep up the work, Jared. I don't know Trader Joe's uh, uh, offerings that well. First time writer, and he says, keep up the work. So, I mean, he's he's listened. He knows he knows what he's, what he's doing. Okay, so I, I was thinking about this. Unfortunately, like, so far on a... You know, we're on an island. Like, I don't have an oven. Like, we're not, like, microwaving anything. We're not, like, uh, you know, cooking any of the frozen, like, goodies from Trader Joe's. And if I only have one shopping cart, I assume we're not getting saved, right? So Correct. I'm picking uh, the peanut butter cups because I just want to eat, like, good stuff before I – I'm going to die. Like, whatever it was, if it was a cart full of steaks, like, it's only going to last so long. I'd rather just eat like peanut butter cups until Yeah, or like chocolate covered cherries or something. Yeah. Like just go ham. What the yeah. hell? You only live once. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I'm not you only live. live once and you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna die. Like I'm gonna eat like <laughs> snacks on the whole way out, you know? Yeah. Thanks for that, Jared. That was good. All right. Uh next up we've got Peter in Vancouver. Gentlemen, uh, this is Power 5 non-conference games. Gentlemen, last year, uh, Pac-12 schools played 11 games against Power 5 and Notre Dame schools. I sent in an email saying that I thought the Pac-12 would be lucky to be 4-7 and seven in those games, while Ryan responded saying he thought it would be more like 5-5, five and five, or 6-5. and five. Unless I'm mistaken, the Pac-12 went 3-8 and eight in those games, and they didn't do well in bowl games against Power 5 opponents to make up for it. This year, the Pac-12 also plays 11 games against Power 5 schools, including Notre Dame. When I look at the list this year, I think that the Pac-12 will be lucky to match last year's record. And from listening to your podcast earlier this month, when you went over the projected win totals for each team, it seems that you are in agreement. Uh, to remind everyone, that's TCU at Colorado, Oregon versus Georgia, Utah at Florida, Mississippi State at Arizona, Arizona State at Oklahoma State, Colorado at Minnesota, Washington State at Wisconsin, Michigan State at UW, Cal at Notre Dame, Stanford at Notre Dame, Notre Dame at USC. And that doesn't include the two games that the Pac-12 schools play against BYU, which, as you may remember, went 5-0 and in the Pac-12 last year. 
since BYU is playing at Oregon, maybe there's a chance that a Pac-12 school will finally get a win, right? Since we're on the subject, I'll point out that this is the first time since 2015 that Washington State has played a Power 5 opponent in a non-conference game. That year they played at Rutgers, and the year they pl- and this year they play at Wisconsin. Likewise, Utah is playing a Power 5 opponent, Florida, for the first time in a non-conference game since 2015 when they played Michigan. Peter in Vancouver. Hey, Peter. I didn't uh, look and see the 3-8 and eight thing, if that's correct, but that's tough because one of those wins is Oregon at Ohio State, and one of them's LSU at UCLA. I mean, there's like two pretty big ones to start off. And then I think just things fell off a cliff after that, right? Like no one beat Notre Dame. Um, All right, let's do this really quick. Can you do it? Can you look it up? No, let's do this really quick. I'm not looking shit up. Okay. Uh, TCU at Colorado? TCU. TCU. All right. So that's 0 1. Oregon versus Georgia in Atlanta. Georgia. Georgia. 0 2. Utah, Florida. I kind of think Utah. I kind of think Utah. Yeah. 1 2. Mississippi State at Arizona? Uh, Mississippi State. One and three. Arizona State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Uh, Colorado at Minnesota. Uh, So Minnesota fired their offensive coordinator because he wasn't very good. And Colorado hired him. Hired, yeah. Minnesota. One and and five. Yeah. Uh, Washington State at Wisconsin. Uh, One and six. Yeah. Michigan State at UW. Michigan State's pretty good. One and seven. Yeah. Cal at Notre Dame. One and eight. Yeah. Stanford at Notre Dame, one and nine. <laughs> Notre Dame at USC, two but, and nine. Go two and nine? Sure. Or one and ten. I mean, that I think there's enough. It's at USC. That's the only reason yeah, I'm going yeah. two and nine. Yeah. If it was at Notre Dame, it would be one and ten. Notre Dame's got a new coach and stuff, too. So, that, like, well, Cal the, the problem, have, if the Cal's pro- any good, like, they might have a chance. The but, problem for the league is that uh, uh, UCLA isn't carrying the banner and playing a Power Five opponent in the non conference. If true. they were. There'd be another win there, baby. Uh, Chip's on a roll, man. He won he w- several non-conference <laughs> games last year. In one season. Yeah. Uh, after winning none. Yes. That, that was the first joke. Like, what was your favorite non-conference win for Chip Kelly in his tenure? At UCLA? Wait, hasn't won one yet? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's going to be bad. It'll be worse than... Well, we thought it would be six and five last year, and it wasn't. But there were some really wacky ones. The Pac-12 lost last year, man. That was a that was a little crazy. But there was, you know, it's funny because the high-profile ones were pretty good, and then it just went kablooey boop, downhill. And then obviously the bowl games sucked too. Okay, uh, transfer portal upside from Frank in Sacramento. The biggest effect of the transfer portal will be. On the best schools' depth charts, no longer will a power football program be able to stack great players on the two and three deep list. These players will leave to join other programs as potential starters, making for a more competitive college football landscape in the years ahead. Uh, sure, but then you see like teams like Alabama getting somebody else's best player, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's more, um, I think the combination effect of the transfer portal plus NIL is actually going to smooth this whole transition out because I think it's going to result in roughly the same thing happening that was already happening, which is generally stockpiling of talent, but also um, guys are still going to, because I think um, I've grown more optimistic in the last week or two about um, the potential for a lot of schools to get on board with NIL and um, spending a bunch of money on their football teams. Um so I think this is going to work itself out. And the money's going to be relatively equal, so guys are still going to be looking for places to play football. Yeah. Um, so I think it's uh, 
it's all going to be fine. All you know, right. I mean, the budgets for those SEC schools are still going to be bigger, which means that they're still going to be able to stockpile talent in a way that other schools aren't. Um, but I think there's still going to be potential for, you know, other leagues and schools to build some juggernauts. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, you want to do the next one? Sure. Hey, boys. Thanks for the incredible info on the spring games. Kind of an off-topic questions for you guys this week, but how'd you guys meet? Any good stories on that? Cameron and Costa Mesa. Well, it was a late night at a bar on the... Uh, Wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> Where was it? No, it was like a recruiting event. Yeah. Yeah. We were at some bullshit seven on seven thing. But we, I think we had met and talked about something. And then I remember being at Redondo Union High School. Yeah. But that was like, I mean, uh, we'd met, I don't know, years before that. Like, oh, then we did like the videos. Yeah. And then so we did, we did the videos in like the park in Westwood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And people like loved it. They loved our video. Just us we do, we sitting there to, looking stupid, like next to a playground and fucking veteran on right. veteran and uh, and Wilshire. Yes, uh, and we did. Yeah, so we did like recruiting videos. Like we both talked about various recruiting classes, and there were some, you know, some guys. Yeah, it was that, the 2015 class. Well, okay, yeah, uh, and then yeah. Um, and then we were at uh, we were watching Mike Juarez, the the, yes. the the great the great Mike Juarez at Redondo Union High School, uh, doing some just workout like it was nothing, and we were both just filming it because USC and UCLA were both after him. He he did nothing in college, zero. Uh, UCLA got him, of course. Um, and uh, we were like, oh, you know, we should do a Pac-12 podcast. There really isn't one, and I think at that time maybe Scout had started to like try the idea of pushing some podcast stuff and there had been like maybe one other league had produced one like one other okay. like, group of publishers i want to say and then we said okay let's do a let's do a pack 12 one and then we started in whatever july or august yeah that was good it was was it 2015 we did it was 2015 when we started this thing dang uh yeah well there's the origin story and then i moved to georgia yeah that was fun yeah we do have a voicemail let me play it for you real quick even though i won't be able to hear it Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. I'm just kind of following up on the question from a week or so ago about the best and worst tailgate spots um, in the Pac-12. I was wondering, um, for you guys, what's your uh, most favorite venue to work or cover a game at, and and what's your least favorite venue to uh, work or cover a game at? Thanks, guys. All right, so Perk asked, um, what what our favorite venues to cover a game at are. well, I mean, from a like a just the experience standpoint, Washington is hard to beat. That weird press box, like way above the stadium, yeah. is uh, sailgating. It's, it's exciting and fun. Um, food standpoint, I want to say Stanford's really good. Stanford's got great food. Yeah, Utah's pretty good too. Yeah, um, the worst is like no question. Uh, the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum have been horrible for years. Uh, yeah. to cover a game at like box lunch thing. Yeah, it's and... just box lunch. The the LA schools got very complacent in the 2000s when everyone else was upgrading their uh, offerings for the media. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. And uh. And the Rose Bowl. What I didn't like when they redid the press box is that they really sealed it off. So it's hard to you don't get sound of the game very easily in there anymore. Yeah. It's it's and that's the. The one thing I would note generally, and I don't have good examples, but like the Rose Bowl and a few others in the league, like they the the press box is so sealed that you can't even open a window to like get the ambiance of the stadium. So it feels like you're just watching it at home or like in a hyperbaric chamber. Like you're not you're not hearing what's yeah. what's happening during the game. Um, so that's always a drawback. But um, 
Stanford and, and Washington are both pretty good. Um, Arizona's or whatever. Um, Utah was pretty good. Washington State upgraded a lot of their stuff, but like you're in the corner, like you're far away from. You're yeah. not in like the center anymore, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's a little tougher. I want to see, you know, Oregon State what they. I don't know if they're if that's the press box side they're deleted. I don't. I don't remember what they're. But they're upgrading stuff. Uh, and I'm not. I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank on like what Oregon's was like. I haven't been there for a while. I've never been to that press box. Yeah, I can't. Nothing's really standing out, but I, Stanford, like the pre-pandemic stuff, like they usually had the best spread. Like they were like going all out. Cal would have like colored M and M's that were like for the teams. That was kind of fun. Yeah, and, like, I think some cookies and stuff. If you if you got like good sweets, yeah, I'm in. But the Rose Bowl was horrible. The Rose Bowl was horrible for years and years and years. They had um, when I was covering it with the Mora years, uh, they would have. Um, uh, Boston Market like sandwiches oh, or some yeah. shit, but they would put them in a cooler of like actual ice, not like freeze bags, and then the ice would melt over and the course of the day. Wet the sandwich, and the sandwich would be wet. <laughs> like it would just be, it would be wet bread in this sandwich that had only been in like a sandwich bag, so you know condensation and everything. So it was just wet, soaking wet bread. Um, which, if you've ever eaten a sandwich with soaking wet bread, like just, and we're talking like wheat, white, like just yeah. sliced bread. Uh, it's one of the most revolting experiences of anyone's <laughs> life. Um, but prior to that, the experience was actually even worse because they would have hot dogs, um, and that was it. <laughs> that, was, that was the entire food offering. Jeez. And the hot dog um, was something that, that tasted as if it had been cooked already four times. Uh, like just like a hard. hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> just, and like just wrapped in foil, but the foil had clearly been microwaved several times with the hot dog inside. Um, really, just a, a just a tremendous culinary experience. USC used to have like the same like pasta dish, and I think there was like hot dogs too. Like I, they just never changed it; it was always the same kind of crap. Then they went to like these box lunches. They actually, it's not now; it's not bad. Uh, they have like hot meals, um, and they have decent cookies. Uh, it's it's not it's not terrible now. Like it's better, but they got rid of like the just a terrible box. Like here's a box of things with chips and an apple in it and stuff. That yeah, uh, but yeah, we'll have to now. You know, a lot of stuff. The last couple of years too have been like pandemic-y, so it's like hard to. Yeah, but now that the pandemic is over and no one's getting COVID anymore, I'm I'm free now, man. I'm like I'm like triple vaxxed and I had it. Like I I could go and do whatever the hell I want. Wow. That's what the CDC told me. I think. <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows what they're telling anybody these days those crazy kids in the cdc i was like trying to figure you know out- there was a time a time in the very recent past where the cdc was seen as like the like the preeminent like best like disease control like really? the, the like absolute pinnacle of the profession um yeah are they not good well, I, I don't think I don't think you can say their performance during this whole escapade has been uh, top notch. No, I mean there were some good things that happened. You know, like putting uh, uh, "do not cross" police tape over parks and shutting down beaches, arresting so, paddle boarders so, that are out there by themselves. Like, like those are all good things. You know, <laughs> if you're gonna do all that stuff, then you got to do it. Like my whole thing from the very beginning of this is, if you're going to do the lockdown thing, do it. Yeah. Like, but actually do it. Like, actually, like, everyone's got to like stay home. Armed guards, like in Shanghai? N- not like armed guards, <laughs> but like, everyone is incentivized to stay home with money. 
And we're going to like literally deliver food to your house. And we're going to try to arrest this thing. Doesn't work if it's not global. Doesn't work if you're not doing it everywhere. But if you're going to do that, do that. But if you're not going to do that, if you're just going to do this weird gray middle ground, then I, you're you're going to lose buy-in very quickly, which is what happened here. Yeah. Um. I would say the um because th- that was the thing that CDs. I mean, I think the science, whatever they were trying to. I think it was they were trying to do the the public health thing, and the public health thing is also like analyzing social dynamics, trying to read the room, trying to figure out how to message these things and all that other stuff. And I think they fucked that up at almost every juncture. <laughs> like at the beginning with the mask shit where they're like, oh, no, masks are not important. Completely derailed that whole argument for like so many people right, like, for the longest period of time. You already told me masks. Because are... the thing is, like just a basic logic thing, putting some shit over my face probably reduces some level of the shit coming out of my mouth, right? I would I would think it helps. It ha- helps in some way. Yeah, like, and that it doesn't make that it should have been that, that should have been the argument from the beginning. Is this will help in some way? It's not going to prevent anything. It will help in some way. Do it because it's going to help in some way. And people would have said that makes sense. I'll do that. But then it was no, it doesn't work. And then it was like, oh no, this is the end all be all. You just got to wear a mask. And then people were like, oh okay. And they put on the mask and they're wearing the mask and then they're wearing the mask and the mask and the mask. And then you get in longer term and it's like, I don't want to wear this fucking thing anymore. And it, 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 you know, I've gotten mixed messaging on it. So does this even work? And then there's just this politicization of the the argument. And it's just like, again, go back to basic common sense. If I put some shit over my mouth, it's going to prevent some percentage of the shit coming out of my mouth. From going into other people's mouths, correct? Yeah. Like yeah. this is not. I, I, I am not a scientist. No, but like it's basic. Like it's not even like science. It's just basic logic. There's wet shit that comes out of my mouth. If I put my hand over my mouth, that wet shit is going to be on my hand, right? Yeah. So if I put a mask over my mouth, that wet shit's going to be on. Like you don't have to. You just look at the inside of one of your masks after you wear it. There's wet shit in there. Yeah. If there's wet shit in the mask, it's working at some level. <laughs> Because in that wet shit is some of the stuff that comes from inside of your body. Yeah. And if some of that stuff inside of your body is diseased, then now that wet shit, that percentage of the wet shit inside of your body doesn't get in other people's mouths. Yeah. This uh, is this is infectious disease 101. You know what I'm looking forward to tomorrow? What? Okay. I'm going to be in my house. Say I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to go, go get breakfast somewhere. I'm going to walk in, no mask, eat my breakfast. Walk out, no mask. I don't have to like wear a mask on, sit down, put a mask like with a mask, and then take my mask off, eat in front of everybody, and do all that stuff, and then put it back on to walk out of the restaurant. So I don't have to do that. But I'm gonna get like an Uber and go to the airport. But I'm gonna put a mask on when I get on the Uber mm-hmm. because LA County says I need to put a mask on. I'm gonna get outside. I'm gonna not have a mask on, which will be good. I'm gonna go into the airport. I'm gonna put a mask on while I'm in the airport. So when I like check my luggage or or get my ticket, whatever it is, I need the mask on. To go through security, mask on, mask on, mask on. I'm gonna get on the plane and I can take the mask off because in the plane. So the, here's the thing: are you gonna are you gonna take it off on the plane? Uh, if I wear like maybe that's the thing, I will probably wear it just because I had it on. But I might take it off just because I want to take off my mask on a plane, just because I haven't done that for a long time and I just had COVID, so I don't give a shit. But like, but the thing is, with the just had COVID, is you might. I mean, I'm doing this stupid thing with you in the room, but you might still be like mildly infectious. And the whole point, the, the whole point of the mask is not necessarily like. You know, right, your I don't. I think the infectious part is early, and then like I waited. I waited longer than CDC said. I waited until like actually tested you, negative. You know what I realized recently about the cold? Because like this made me like reevaluate a lot of my um, uh, priors about infectious disease. Do you know when you have a cold? Do you know how long you're infectious? Huh. The entire 
fucking time you have symptoms. Even when you're like at the very end and you've just got that cough that's still remaining because you think it's just like you're the post nasal drip, you are still infectious. You can be infectious for weeks with a cold. Like oh. weeks. So anyway, my my point is though, but you're you're gonna do that. And the thing is, like if you had messaged this correctly from the beginning, which is yeah, wear your mask as much as you can because the more you wear it, the less you're going to cause problems for other people. Yeah, the and less protect like, yourself. Potentially, you're going to protect yourself to an extent, but you're also going to cause fewer problems for everyone else. And it's not like if you wear it because the thing is, like, it's not discordant with that idea to wear it in certain situations and not in others. Like putting on the mask when you're in the Uber, okay, and then taking it off when you go outside, and then putting it back on for the airport, and then taking it off for the plane. You're still being safer. Like you're still helping to some extent the other people around you. Yeah. More than you would be if you just didn't wear a mask the entire time. And I think it's just it's it's talking to people as if they're like just stupid idiots and they don't want to help anybody is is a it's that's the part where I think it's it gets a little bit too into um political theory about people rather than just try to appeal to like people's basic common sense and like, you know, appreciation of their fellow people. Wear a mask because it will help to some extent removing the stupid shit that comes out of your mouth from other people's mouths. Yeah. I think you have a heart out in like a minute. And we still, we talked all about like. We got oh, one last question. Is there only one? Yeah. I think it's just this text message. There's two text messages. I've only got one. We already read the other one. Are you sure? Yeah. It's this big one from Choni. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Choni19. Uh, for years, David was vocal about looser transfer rules and players being compensated for their play with the transfer portal and NIL. Is this what you envisioned, and what is your opinion about where we are and where we're going with this and the health of college sports? I think it's great. I've revised my opinions um, after the initial thing where I was a little taken aback. Um, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. When I read that Oklahoma was going to give $50,000 to every single player on the roster, that's so cool. I nice. love it. Good for that. I love every bit of it. All right. Uh at Ryan, you camp a lot at Catalina, and I always wondered if you could give details on the pluses and minuses as well as uh, which campgrounds you go to, as it's something I'd like to do this summer, and it's easier to ask you than research it myself. Uh, real quick, yeah, I mean, I like all of the spots. Um, if you like being on the water, if you, and depending on how much hiking you want to do, Parsons Landing is probably the coolest one, but that's like a legit hike to get out there. you got to carry all your stuff, so that's like carry stuff on your back. You go to Little Harbor, which also can be on the water, and they do a gear haul there. So you could do like a light hike from two harbors, like a seven-mile hike, and then they could bring coolers of beer and steaks or whatever you want. So those are good ones. Uh, but it's not cheap to camp there, and you got to like book those places early. But try to find good spots on the website. If you got anything on the water, Shark Harbor is great in the Little Harbor. There's only like three campsites that are actually on the water. Uh, check those out. All right, and then three, can we explore a meetup with POC listeners for beers at a local bar? I propose May 14th at noon. You guys just have to show up and propose the bar. May 14th at noon? What's that? That's a Saturday at noon. Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'd be in. I could do it. I could do uh, noon on a Saturday is beautiful and perfect for me. My mom will be in town. You guys could meet uh, Mama Abraham. Yeah, my kids are doing a swim lesson at 10 a.m., but they that will end at 1030. So perfect. I, I'm good. All right. Well, maybe we'll do that. All right. Four. Uh, I know if you heard Ryan, but Dave is now full time at report at is now full time at Bruin Report Online. Does that mean he will take on more of the editing responsibilities here at the POC? 
<laughs> if anything, it means he should do more. Fewer. fewer. He's, he's it, doing, it, it will be fewer he's, hours. He's actually doing this for a living, so he should do doing more of this. Yeah, yeah it will be it will be fewer hours actually spent <laughs> on this. Um and my schedule will be much tighter. Uh five, Dave and Tracy also joked about switching with you and your team next April first, where they do an episode of the Peristyle podcast and you and your team do an episode of the broadcast. Are you in? I mean, first of all, you can't announce your Correct. Yeah, like you can't announce your April Fool's jokes. We did one with the Reign of Troy people like one time. That's not as fun though. I think it'd be really funny if I was trying to talk about like um, the ins and outs of like USC football recruiting. Yeah. Like if I would have to do like Gerard's like segment. I think I'd be, I think I'd really enjoy that. Okay. I'll just go through the top players in California and say, I would do it. are saying that UCLA is <laughs> winning all of these guys. I would just do a Gerard impression the entire time. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, uh, six. Can you two simply name the best unit by position in the Pac-12? No, no. Out <laughs> <Are> your mind? <laughs> Have you been listening to this show? <laughs> it's really tough. After watching the spring games, no one's good. Yeah. Uh, seven, would you ever rather have to deal with more rabid fans like in the SEC versus the more casual fans of the Pac-12? Uh, get a lot more listeners, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I would love the engagement. Um, yeah. uh, no, I mean, there's... there's we'll probably get paid. The thing we're... is with the SEC, the SEC is you've got um, a lot of fan bases that are like USC at its peak, and I already told you what I thought about USC at its peak. You get a lot of fan bases that are just like... Because when I talk about like the hardcore of a fan base... It's the people who um, they appreciate their school being shitty right now. Like they appreciate the value of like following a shitty program. So like I don't I don't find a USC fans who are still around at this point that obnoxious because they've been through some shit. I don't find UCLA fans who've been around like even the ones who are like completely discordant from me in opinion because shit man you stuck around you stuck around through some shit. Um, SEC fans haven't had any of that. And so you've got so many fans in those groups who are just obnoxious assholes. And you just don't have like the, you know, a whole state. There's not like a Arkansas in the Pac-12 where like literally the entire state, Roots all the they team. have is they, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Like that's yeah. what they care about. Like right. if you're in Salt Lake City, like, yeah, there's a lot of Utah fans, but there's a lot of other stuff that's going on. And, you know, you're in Boulder, like, you know, there's a shitload of Broncos fans. Like you could say, you know, there's, there's just. Yeah, that's kind of a unique thing in the SEC where there's just like whole regions or states that root for your program because they don't have anything else there. Yeah, and then eight, if you could cover any other team outside of the Pac-12, which would it be and why? Outside the Pac-12. Outside the Pac-12. Uh, it's Again, it's like, where would I want to live? I I think I would live in Austin. I like that. Like I could cover Texas. I was going to go Texas too. Um, All right, so different answer. Um. Jeez. Um, yeah, there aren't too many other places I would want to live. Like, you think about it, and it's like, Austin's like fine. Miami? Yeah, but I don't want to live in Miami. You don't want to live in Miami? No. I, I think I'd pick something like, uh, I don't know, Nashville? Cover like Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt? You want to cover Vanderbilt? That'd be kind of funny. Um, I mean, you could do, like, Georgia and, like, live. Could you live in Atlanta? Yeah, or, I mean, you could live in Atlanta, cover in Athens. Old Miss, you could do that, like, because that's like an hour. Yeah, but and I half. don't want to live in Oxford. No, no, but you could live in Atlanta. It's like an hour and a half or something. Yeah, it's. it's I guess tough. that's that's it's, too. It, tough. That's yeah, too it's long, a long yeah. one. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, there aren't like because there aren't too many places in the South I would want to live, and that's where most of the like <laughs> fun football to cover is. How about like LSU? 
Yeah, that would maybe be. But then again, you're also in Baton Rouge. Um, I guess you could commute in from New Orleans. Um, but also living in Louisiana, I think would take between 15 and 25 years off my life. <laughs> you know, like beignets every morning. Yeah, I'd, and I'd be just. I mean, I I know myself well enough to know that. Um, could I you would, have I, an alcohol I, 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 I would develop an alcohol problem. Like. Not breakfast. not not for like any like deep seated deep seated psychological reason. Just because oh it's a, it's here okay. Hurricane for <laughs> this breakfast. This is this is what you do here. <laughs> you like wake up at Pat O'Brien's like three days a week. Like oh did I stay over again? <laughs> <laughs> Jean Lafitte's um, yeah, but uh, yeah that that'd be fun. Is uh, there any place like like on the like Atlantic, the seaboard, like any... That's the thing is there's nothing really that good up there um, that you would... I don't know that would be enjoyable to cover on like top Durham, of... Like Durham, like those aren't... Those are like inland, right? They're, they're not inland. Like, um, I mean, you could do... If you were like in Charleston, like there's no school yeah, there, right? Like, there's nothing. Um, and so it's it's just... It's a whole lot of nothing. Um, yeah. Mostly up I want to be on the ocean seaboard. or I want to be... I don't want to go upper Midwest and I don't want to go south. And if you don't want to do either of those two things, there's really limited options for football. Like if you had to, like Columbus is kind of cool, but like you're in a freaking Ohio, you know? You're in like, Ohio. But it's like a... It's a city. Like it's it's yeah. kind of like Austin-y, I think, like city-wise. I mean, I guess you could do like the Chicago local stuff. You could do like Northwestern. Yeah, but, like Chicago. I don't even like Chicago that much. Chicago's fine, but it's like, fine, but it's not like yeah. I don't like. Oh, I want to be in the big city, of Chicago. Yeah, people, yeah. people love Chicago, and I don't go gaga over it. You could do Boston College, like you, you know, but I don't want to go back. Anyway, I guess I'm not moving anywhere. Nice. That's basically what All I right. just said. Well, we went uh, seven minutes past his drop dead deadline, mostly talking about COVID and where we'd want to live. So that's a show. I mean, <laughs> whenever I can message public health two years after the point where it would have mattered, uh, I've got to do it, you know? But to be to be fair, you were saying that from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Now you can look back and go, they shut down the beaches. Like, you're, they literally arrested a guy who was body surfing by himself. Like, he's by himself in the ocean. Like, he couldn't be more isolated from society. And you said, don't do that, sir. So, like, well, it's some uh, of the but I think shit. it was, I think it was because the centralized messaging was just that bad. Like, emphasize the things that matter because the thing is, wearing the masks matters and it matters just because of the reduced percentage risk. Like, wear it as much as you can, wear it as much as you can tolerate because that's, that's what you need to do. It might be like, Fifty percent better or five percent better doesn't or matter. It'll be better. It's better. better. It'll yeah. be somewhat better. And but like emphasize people's you know general goodwill to their fellow person, and see if that works instead they, of trying to lie to them and then not lie to them and then and uh, mandate everything and, and mandate like, everything. It's oh, just uh, you know uh, yeah. try to appeal to because you've got to use the like um, our uh, our our national mythology to your advantage. Yeah. You know we're we're all these independent thinkers. Okay, well independent thinkers. Here's here's do some independent thought on this. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I thought it was a great show. There's a lot of stuff going on. Top tier. Love I mean, it. I, I me, mean, I, I got to take a nap for about half an hour, so that was really great. Give me two donuts, and I am good. Yeah. Uh, boom. I'm COVID-free. I'm full of donuts. I'm excited. Uh, all right. Well, that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham, and we are the podcast of champions talking all things epidemiology and Pac-12 football. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! 
and the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. It's just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.